This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Going beyond the box score and the diamond. This is the show with the latest news and information on your hometown nine and the entire organization. It's Inside Twins. Inside Twins is sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Well, happy Sunday and welcome once again to Minnesota Twins Baseball and our inaugural edition here in 2022 of Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated, how memories are created and legends are made. We are batting lead off today. Of course, the pregame lineup card coming up next. Then the Twins take on the Seattle Mariners, followed by the postgame download, a great Sunday of programming all across our network here in the upper Midwest. Uh, Inside Twins, of course, will bring you conversations with a host of folks involved in the decision-making process for your Minnesota Twins. And we kick it off with Derek Falvey here joining us via Zoom for our first uh, our first Inside Twins program of the year. And first and foremost, Derek, I guess this would be the only like 28-minute stretch where you might not potentially be making a deal uh, to augment this roster over the course of the last like eight months. <laughs> well, you never know, Chris. I could be texting live while, while we're talking along the way. So, uh, no, it's been, it's been a whirlwind stretch since the day the lockout lifted uh, and we had a chance to really kind of augment this roster and, and, ch- and change up what we have on the field. But we're really excited about the group that's coming together, uh, building, a, building bonds, building a culture in that room, and ultimately going to play good baseball through the course of the summer. We're going to talk a lot about the, the feeling in that room a little bit later on, but I want to start right there with the, the rare opening day trade that you guys make to get Chris Paddock from San Diego, a guy you've liked for a long time. Certainly tons of upside there. Pagan as well to bolster the bullpen. Do you think this is going to become more of the norm, trades happening either early in the year, and do you think we'll continue to see more transactions made during the course of the season than we've seen in years past? Well, you know, I think for this year, uh, it's, it, I think there's a possibility that you'll see more transactions in this April, May month than we're typically used to seeing. You know, most of the trade activity doesn't really kick up until a little bit of late June, really early, early July. And then the flurry of activity in the you know, week to two weeks leading into the trade deadline. So just because of the uniqueness of this offseason, the, the roster shaking out the way they are, the reality that we're at 28 men on the roster now and, and we'll ha- ultimately have to trim down to 26, you could see a lot more moving parts through the course of, of the regular season. I hope we're not making many opening day trades. I'll, I'll say that right now. I'm not looking forward to too many of those. But uh, this year, certainly, we had to be on a sprint from, from that early March day when, when the lockout was lifted and we were able to get our team put together. You have to give to get. You gave an all-star closer in Taylor Rogers. You end up with a guy who can be a big part of a rotation. There's never been a singular moment in time when a team has ever said, ah, we have too much starting pitching. It's just never happened in the history of, uh, of baseball and certainly not this year with the shortened spring training. Talk about Paddock's impact in terms of where he fits into your roster and how he impacts some of the other guys on your roster, including a guy like a Josh Winder making his first opening day club. 
Well, I think we talk about it. What you just said is exactly the way we talk about it internally. I'd like to meet the general manager who says he has enough pitching. Uh, there's just, it doesn't exist. So, you know, we are constantly trying to build depth. We've said all along that our goal is to try and compete now and keep an eye on the future. And, and when we made that trade, obviously it's difficult to trade Taylor. No question about that. He's approaching free agency at the end of this season. Uh, so it doesn't preclude any future conversations with him at that time. But to get three years of control of a starting pitcher in, in Chris Paddock, two additional years in, in Emilio Pagan, uh, some additional uh, trade value with the prospect coming back later, we just felt like that was a deal we had to do to lengthen out our pitching staff, as you said, because what it does is we now feel we have six starters, maybe seven starters on this major league team uh, right now that are building up. And as we've seen across baseball, not everyone's out to their accustomed 80, 90, 100 pitches. We're going thoughtfully and slowly because we didn't we, we cut a month off of normal spring training. We want to make sure we're building them up so they're in it for the long haul. And Josh Winder, as you said, made his opening day uh, roster. I mean, great kid, someone we're really excited about for the future. He's going to be a starting pitcher for us right now, using him as length out of the bullpen. But Chris Paddock adds a sixth starter behind Chris Archer, who, you know, who, who was in the fifth hole for us, who's thrown the ball really well a couple of times for us. So we're excited about the group we have. We know we'll have injuries and challenges, and, and we just got to keep uh, powering through those. Speaking of injuries, Paddock was shut down last year in September. He had a, an elbow issue. He had the injection. Any concerns about his health moving forward? Yeah, we, we did a lot of work on that, obviously, as did uh, certainly the Padres on Taylor, you know, who, who didn't pitch at the end of last season, uh, certainly for us. And so when that comes up, you do have to spend a lot of time understanding what the considerations are, what the risks are in both guys' cases, both in Chris's case and in Taylor's. I think the fact that they were throwing this spring training had built up through bullpens, uh, had been able to throw ga in games. Chris was built out to 70 to 80, 85 pitches and throwing to his accustomed velocity. So I think when you see that, you start to feel a lot better. You know he's gotten over the hump uh, in terms of what he had to deal with last year, as did Taylor and, you know, for us in, in the short spring training we had. So we're, we're feeling good about that. We know there's always risk uh, in every pitcher, quite frankly, around you know injury and health. But we, we deepen our group with these two guys coming on board. And you talked about six starters and Paddock slides right in and he is stretched out. You don't do anything without thinking it through and looking at what it's going to mean, not only short-term, but long-term. So in the case of Winder, you certainly had the opportunity to send him to AAA and just have him pitch every five days and continue to lengthen out. What role do you foresee for him in the early part of the season? And was it simply his performance that forced your hand into finding a way to carve out space for him on this big league roster? You know, it really wasn't. And I will say this, and I know this is sometimes a, you know, a tricky subject. You know, we tell our guys this, that in spring training, your performance, certainly being on the field and performing, you want to go and perform. But that isn't the singular part that drives the decision on, on making a club, right? It, sometimes it's a five-inning stretch, you know, over the course of a few weeks, maybe thrown against A-ball hitters. And ultimately, we can't just use that stat line as, a, as the ultimate. That said, Josh pitched against some, some pretty formidable lineups, you know, had a couple of games against the Red Sox against uh, their A lineup and, and guys up top that we know are really good. And we got to see how his stuff played against those, those teams. We're also sensitive to the fact that he's a guy who hasn't been fully built up through his minor league career. You know, over the course of 2020, losing that season to COVID uh, throughout the minor leagues, 2021, his buildup not at a full season's worth of innings. We're thinking this year, even as we work through the season, it's not easy to envision him going 200 innings right from the get-go. So this role allows us to kind of intersect, building him up thoughtfully, having his val value on the major league team, the, what he brings when he comes out of the bullpen is going to help us, but also build him up thoughtfully through the course of the year and, and then make decisions as we go if we have injuries or otherwise where he fits.
Yeah, it'll be fun to watch his continued development. Derek Falvey is our guest. The show is Inside Twins as we kick off our first uh, program of the year. Speaking of pitching, you've got 16 pitchers out there, and I imagine Wes and Colby and their crew with like a big board, kind of like a TV murder investigation with all the strings connected and all the, the different intersecting matchups that they're looking at and different ways to use a bunch of guys who all bring a little something different to the table. What isn't in that bullpen and has never really been a part of the way you guys have functioned is having that set closer. And especially with Rogers, who had the most experience in that role gone, do you anticipate that this will be a matchup situation or is it a little more refined than that, where it's matchups, yes, day-to-day, but probably out of this set of guys versus that set of guys? I think you're exactly onto it there, Chris. It won't be just anybody out in the bullpen that could close that day based on matchups. Guys with experience toward the back end of games. So Emilio Pagan clearly you know, saved 20 games just a few seasons ago at the major league level in a really effective year. Um, the other guy, Joe Smith, guys that have pitched toward the back end of games, even Tyler Duffy, who, you know, who we know can go and pitch uh, and get those out toward the back end of games. So all of these guys are going to be part of the equation. It won't be all 16 or, or certainly all 11 or 10 or 11 that are out in the bullpen at any moment in time, but it will be likely determined a bit by matchups. You're seeing that more across the game. You know, you're seeing a little bit of that even in places with defined closers, maybe two guys that can match up toward the end of games. And, and we'll go ahead and do that again. The data is the data, and you can always find the matchups and appropriate matchups. And I think it's been proven beyond a shadow of doubt that sometimes the the most important outs don't come in the ninth inning. I think that we've we've moved past that argument in past years. You were in Cleveland with a front row seat when Andrew Miller showed up, and he has always become the guy people lean back to, right? They always say, oh, well, let's use a guy like Andrew Miller. And sometimes I think they forget that you had Cody Allen and Brian Shaw. So you really still did have a closer. How impactful for that was you in terms of merging the win is the highest leverage data and matchups with the personalities of your personnel involved in terms of forming your opinion on how the back end or, or all of that bullpen should look. Yeah. I mean, ideally you have multiple guys out there toward the back end that can do what, what those uh, guys did that you just mentioned. And I think that Andrew Miller is a good example of the guy that, that found a way to to, to match up in those key innings, you know, with runners on, maybe the game is won or lost in that seventh or eighth inning moment uh, where he could come in, but you did have good back end guys even behind that. So I think we need to continue to deepen it. I look at Joan Duran throwing the ball the other day and, and thinking about the kind of weapon he can be in a, in a one to two inning stint. Uh, it really feels like there are guys with stuff. Jorge Alcala, Joan Duran, guys that have come up and have been young guys for us that we know are going to be tracking toward the back end of games. We just need to get them that experience in order to do so. Well, that is a perfect time for us to take our first break because we'll segue into conversation about this next wave of young minor league pitching that is set to crest on the shore of the major league roster. We'll talk about that with Derek Falvey when we return. The show is Inside Twins right here on your home for Twins Baseball. Welcome back to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killaroo Root Beer, locally owned and operated, how memories are created and legends are made. Derek Falvey is our guest coming right out of the gates, throwing 100 with a splinker. It's uh, the uh, he's the Joanne Duran of Inside Twins. And let's pick up where we left off in the last segment, Derek, because we've been hearing about pitching. And fundamentally, this is how when you and Thad arrived, you were going to build the talent pipeline up through pitching, identifying, drafting or trading for or acquiring however you could signing internationally, perhaps, and then developing them to prep them for the major leagues. There was a glitch in the system, obviously, when there was a, a year without a minor league season. Um, but we're starting to see some of those names show up last year. It was Ober 
We saw some Griffin Jacks. Joe Ryan came over in a trade. Now it's Duran. Winder, we already talked about. How excited are you guys organizationally to start to see the harvest of some of those seeds you planted when you first got here? Yeah, it's a, it's a great point, Chris. I, I think what's lost in all of this sometimes is, is the reality of you have to look back and think about where we came from. You know, at the, at the end of certainly during the course of 2017, evaluating what our systems were first year here to try and understand how we were developing it and knowing we had some gaps and, and some things that we needed to add. You know, at the end of 17, felt like we started to build that through 18 and 19. And as you just referenced, this heavy halt <laughs> came in 2020 with COVID uh, with a lack of ability to get those guys the innings we needed. And we were very thoughtful last year to not push guys too hard coming out of a full lost year of, of baseball in 2020 uh, for these guys in terms of gameplay. And you saw signs. You saw guys really taking steps forward. Uh, patience is the hardest word to use in baseball for sure with these guys. You want to see them up there as quickly as possible. But I'm really thrilled with the guys you just mentioned. And then beyond that, Watching Simeon Woods Richardson throw this spring training and the way the ball was coming out of his hand was exciting. George Belazovic's getting back on the mound here soon and, and throwing the, the ball the way he can. Ronnie Enriquez, a kid we can, that came over in our, our trade with Texas, you know, someone who like we, we, we think is really um, on the come and has really interesting stuff, you know, mid to upper 90s stuff that is going to be a part of this soon. So I'm excited about the guys that are here. We need to continue to build those waves, get them up to the, the big leagues and ultimately get ourselves to a place where we're constantly reaching down for another really good arm. Now you have to be deep and you have to have pitching. And I question about how you foresee the identity of this club. This team has a real positive energy about it. And we're going to talk about the chemistry with some of the guys as part of our pregame lineup. They've done an amazing job of merging a lot of personalities and experiences in a short amount of time to really have a, a real positive together feel in this clubhouse as we embark on 2022. But teams end up evolving into personalities. You know, 2019 was the Bomba squad. 2020 was pitching, pitching, pitching. What do you think, in a perfect scenario for you in the front office and your staff, would be the identity of the 2022 Twins? You know, it's a great question, Chris, and I hadn't really thought about it in, in kind of just boiling it down to one point. But one thing I look about, look at this team and think about when we see our regulars out there uh, is just how um, – how, how versatile we are and how good defensively I think we can be all around. You know, we talk a lot about the power a few years ago. Our guys really did pitch well over the course of the 19 and 20 seasons. We stumbled last year. No, no argument there all, all around, you know, both offensively, defensively and, and pitching. But as I look at this team, I think when you add, when you look up top and you see Byron Buxton and Carlos Correa and you're excited about them stepping into the box one, two, I'm just as excited when they're in the field because we've already seen it. You know, what Buck can do in the box and on the field we've known for years. Carlos's defense the last few days has been really fun to watch and, and we know he's going to hit and, and that offense is coming too. So it, we feel like this is a really deep team with a lot of good matchups. Gio Urshela coming in, having his day at third and playing well. Then Louis Arias stepping in the next day against a righty and doing it too. We hope we have the types of waves that can all support each other. And it's really just about the team. It's about one, one goal, which is winning. It's never about individuals. And, and that's, that's a really exciting feeling to have in the clubhouse. And that to me is something that this club has and every clubhouse is different and you can change one person out of a clubhouse and it could be the part-time bat boy and it can change the entire chemistry of the room based on how people interact. But this is a club that certainly uh, top to bottom has echoed just how good they feel about each other heading into this season. And one guy that a lot of those people still look to, they, they point out the impact that Carlos Correa's had, not with his immense talent on the field, but just how he conducts himself and, and how he fills up that room. He, he really is uh, special. We had heard that before he came on board from folks who had been around Houston over the years. And, and, and we always do our makeup work and triangulate as much as we can to understand 
what's this player going to do when they walk through the door? Uh, he's been that and then some, you know, his ability to uh, walk in the room, touch and feel a player. He's bilingual. He has the ability to talk to literally everybody in that room in a way, but he also does his homework. He wants to know what makes a guy tick and understands where they're from and what their background is to get to know them better as a, as a, as a person. He was taking different players you know, out to dinner all the way through spring training from the day he arrived to the end. But when he and I went, we went out to dinner right after he signed, he was very clear about that's the type of role he wants to play. He just wants to be someone who elevates everyone around him. And it's easy for a superstar sometimes to say, it's about me. Look at me, just follow me. That's not the way he goes about it. He's trying to find ways to influence each guy to be the best version of themselves. And he thinks if we do that, which we all do, we'll put ourselves in a great position at the end of the summer. Did you let him pay? <laughs> we did that. We did not that night. I told you next time. I think you uh, you're you're picking up the check, but that was uh, wow. I was that was say, the twins I, that night. <laughs> I feel like he could have paid. I feel like maybe that he had some extra change that he could have paid. But you do the work, and you want that to be true personality wise. But you have to cross your fingers a bit, don't you? Because you just never know how how these these things are going to coalesce when they get together. That's right. That's exactly right. You know, you, you want to make sure that you have good people already in the environment. You want to make sure that who you're adding fits that, but you're right. Personalities develop, uh, relationships are formed. I think back to our 2019 team and watching the way even just maybe uh, not high profile players in that room, whether it was Marlon Gonzalez and the role he played with some of our young you know, Latin players. Obviously we talked about Nelson, Nelson Cruz and the way he impacted things. I see that in Carlos now. I see that in Byron Buxton. I see that in Jorge Polanco. I see that in Joe Smith, a guy who's been around for a long time and is an established veteran and steps into a role where he can help mentor some of those young pitchers out there in the bullpen. So it's just exciting to see that group all coming together uh, in, a, in a really short period of time because we didn't have our normal spring training to build all those relationships, and, and they're, they're still building them now, but it'll be exciting as they form it through the summer. All right, well, we've got one more segment with Derek Falvey. We'll take a break. When we come back, more on Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, with the pregame lineup card and baseball to follow as Bailey Ober makes his 2022 debut, and the Twins look to crack the win column against Seattle. All coming up on your home for Twins Baseball. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated, how memories are created, legends are made. Chris Atterbury in our network headquarters here at Target Field, where the Twins entertain the Mariners. Derek Falvey joining via Zoom. And Derek, a question, uh, just kind of to veer in a completely different direction. We talk about the, the truncated offseason, all the work you guys have got done, the positivity that you guys have moving forward with this bunch to start the year. Was there ever any awkwardness post-lockout because you're all about alignment right through the players and including the players. And here you guys were on two different sides of a, a divide and a lot of the issues that were being you know, brought up to the surface. Yes, it was the owners in name, but it's kind of how front offices operate in reality. Was there ever any awkwardness between you and your guys and the players? You know, it, it was the number one question I think everyone had 
coming out of the lockout was how is everyone going to respond once we get back together? I had a hunch that most guys, once you get in that clubhouse and you're in that room, you get kind of into old habits. Uh, Fortunately for us, that's exactly how it played. I I remember calling a few players right off the bat, Taylor Rogers was our our player rep and and certainly a few other established guys with us just checking in, you know, as they were tracking it to Florida, they were so excited to be playing baseball and just getting on the field that I, I got excited just hearing them talk about it. So there has been no awkwardness. That's kind of that. That's water under the bridge and in the past now. And I think we're just excited to, to have baseball back, both the player side and obviously the, the league, but ultimately for the fans. And, and that's really what it boils down to is we're playing baseball for the fans. Yeah, and I would I would guess, and I I mean I there's no way to to empirically prove it. I would guess that the state of the relationship that you foster and the atmosphere that you foster with your players before that probably had a lot to do with the ease with which you could emerge from it. I think so. And I hope so. I mean, we've always prided ourselves as an organization on one that takes good care of players, but not just the players, their families, you know, and others. I, you know, yesterday I got a chance to meet some of the wives and and some of the folks um, in in the family room and and just spend some time. You know, it's all of those investments because these people are part of our community. They're, They're part of twins territory. Now they're part of the twins family. And ultimately that's the, that's what we want to be. We want to try and create that kind of environment where players want to come, people want to be, and, and, and ultimately uh, to succeed on the field, you create a good and safe environment for everyone to thrive. And and we have that, we had it before the lockout and hopefully that, that gave us a chance to, to get off on the right foot as soon as we, uh, we got started and back together in March. How much fun is it going to be to have things back to what I'll refer to as normal, you know, clubhouse doors are open, people on the field, people in the seats, uh, fewer protocols and, and more smiles. Absolutely. I, I felt it on opening day. I mean, that was the, it was really the moment, right? You have so many people in and everyone's on the field, uh, you know, no masks and other, you know, considerations that have just been a part of our lives. I, I hope, I hope baseball and hope twins baseball can be a center point for everyone to rally around and start to feel a lot of that going forward because the atmosphere, when we have it filled at target field is the best. Our players felt it. The Gary Sanchez chant at the end of the game, the other day, Gary, Gary, he talked about it post game, how excited he was. And I, that's the type of stuff that gives you chills and, and you love being around the ballpark when it happens. Derek, we appreciate having you on to kick off another great season of inside twins. Look for your club to get in the wind column here today. And we'll talk to you down the road. Thanks for having me on Chris. Always enjoy it. All right. That's Derek Falvey. The show is inside twins. Stay with us. We'll head upstairs with a pregame lineup card. And then the twins and the Mariners game three, the 2022 campaign coming up next right here on your home for twins baseball. You've been listening to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.